We're in Ecclesiastes chapter 11. If you have a Bible, let's turn there. And uh, we're, Lord willing, going to be able to finish uh, both uh, chapters tonight. And I'm just so blessed, man. My prayer, and I don't know for sure if you guys all have this in you, but my prayer is that you have a hunger for the Word. You have a hunger for the Bible because you know it's God's Word. And as you have that, you're like, okay, Manny, just teach me the Bible. It's going to be so cool because now next time you read Ecclesiastes, you're going to understand it. And today, when it gets planted in your heart, my prayer by the, by the Lord, that it'll bear fruit, you know. And so today's study, I, I kind of, there's different ways of looking at it. So, you know, not that this is, you know, something to be dogmatic about, but I want to tell you four things that we're going to study tonight. Number one is just the concept of investment investment so as you give to the poor as you invest your finances wisely for the lord as a steward of his finances as you invest in the kingdom of god you're going to pay you're going to get dividends from that and so it's a really important principle in life in matthew 25 jesus rebuked the lazy uh, man because he had been given things and what he did is he just buried it he didn't invest it and so God expects us at least to be putting, you know, money in the bank, at least to be investing in some sort. So we'll talk about that. Very important. Okay, number two in our study today is the concept of employment. And so we have to be working and we can't make excuses. You know, we got to be busy and we can sometimes lose sight of that. And so Solomon is going to mention about uh, investment, about employment. And then thirdly, about enjoyment. And this is kind of a cool one because... Um, you know, I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but God wants us to enjoy our life. You guys know that? He wants us to enjoy the things that we eat and say, well, thank you, God, for, you know, that, you know, burrito or that whatever it is that you're grubbing on and give him glory for that. He wants you to soak it in. Uh, and I don't know if you guys do this or not, but, you know, sometimes I think we're thinking about tomorrow, we're thinking about or whatever else is going on. And then, you know, I, I sit with and I, and I talk with my wife and my kids, and I just look into their eyes for a moment. I look at them, and I say, thank you, Lord, for my wife. Thank you for my, my daughter. Thank you for my son. And as I hear their voice and our interaction, and we're talking and we're playing Star Wars Monopoly together, or whatever it might be, I'm there. I am there in the moment. I'm not losing that. And so God wants us to live life to the healed. He wants us to be adventurous. He wants us to enjoy the music, the colors, the, the laughter, you know, while we can. And we're going to see that tonight because when you get older, it can get a little tough. And so um, number one, investment. Number two, employment. Number three, enjoyment. And then the closing statement. And, and that's just going to be how Solomon says at the end of Ecclesiastes, here's the conclusion to the whole matter. Uh, fear God and keep his commandments, because one day we will all give an account. And so we'll see that in today's study. Look in verse 1. It says, cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. And so if you can visualize someone putting their bread on the water, and then it goes out, and then eventually one day it comes back. And so the concept here is as you, as you give, you're going to receive, you're going to be blessed. Someone said that if you cast your bread upon the waters, it will come back to you with butter on it. I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> Toasted with butter. 
And, and so, um, again, now when you guys read different commentaries and you hear different studies on this, some will say it's all about generosity. And so it's, it's true how we need to give uh, generously, right? But it also might be about Solomon talking about uh, investing responsibly. And we'll, we'll see how we need to do that as God's stewards. And so I think it's kind of a bit of both. And then the last thing, if I can just mention the three things. Number one, being generous, giving to the poor, because God will repay you. Number two, you know, put your money in the savings account. You know, maybe you buy a little stock. Maybe you buy uh, a money market account, whatever it is. You don't just bury it. You know, you have to invest because it's God's uh, money. And then the third thing is investing into the kingdom. You guys know that, right? That if you invest into the kingdom with proper motives, that it's being saved for you to enjoy one day and be rewarded in heaven. And so those are the three things I think that we can definitely stand on. You know, again, uh, the, the message, I like the translation here. It says, be generous, invest in acts of charity, because charity yields high returns. And so if we give to others, you know, you think of someone who's down and out. You think of the, uh, some of you here, you sponsor a child in Cambodia and you give a certain amount of, uh, every month. That's what he's saying right there. If you're generous, you're going to have returns on that. And so we need to invest wisely. I think we have a graphic that kind of shows that. And just think about that, you guys. Everything you've been given, all the, all, the, all the talents, the treasures, the temple, all that you are, you invest wisely. Proverbs 19.17 says, He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. And so speaking of the poor man, we read the same thing in Deuteronomy 15.10, You shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him, because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. And so, um, like Henry was saying earlier, we don't necessarily, we're not a church that says if you give $100, you're going to get 1000 back. But, I, but, but he'll say that we believe this, that God will provide for you. God will bless you. And sometimes, and I've seen it over the years, to be honest, that people do give, who do give to God the 10%, who do give, um, the best of the best, the fat of the firstborn. They don't just give their leftovers, but they give to God what belongs to God. It's amazing how they are blessed, even financially. And so, um, again, uh, what we see right here is God says, I will bless you in your life if you're generous. You cast that bread on the water, it goes out, and it comes back buttered. Um, number two, verse two, it says, give a serving to seven, and also to eight. And I was thinking of some of the families here at Calvary Chapel Monday. You know, you give to seven, also to eight. But again, we're speaking in the context of generosity. Uh, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. And so this is interesting because, um, again, you give to the, the poor. You're, God's going to provide. Maybe you're going to hit hard times. And so God is saying, don't worry, I'm going to provide for you. You don't know what evil may happen. You don't know if you're going to get hurt. You're going to lose your job. So, you know, you're, you're just doing what God's called you to do. Um, but again, it's just some commentators believe that he's talking about investing. And uh, have you guys ever heard that other proverb, don't put all your eggs in one basket? There's a proverb. There's a lot of proverbs that we have, actually. And when, you, when you're investing, you don't give, put all your money in that stock. Because what if that stock falls? And so you want to diversify a little bit. And so if you have, you know, $50,000, you spread it out. Maybe, I don't know much about this kind of stuff, but, 
you know, you can talk to financial advisors and they'll tell you how to do that. And, and so, you know, someone might, you know, be saying, hey, Manny, why are you talking about money? It's a Bible study. Why are you talking about money? Well, I think it's because um, it's God's money. It's not ours. And we have to be good stewards of it. And Solomon is talking about this, and we see much of the Bible has to do with money. They actually say you can learn a lot about a person, where they're at spiritually, by what they do with their money. Are they managing God's you know, resources uh, responsibly? Jesus said in Luke 16, 11, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And so we have to be faithful in that which is least. And like I said earlier, uh, I do pray that you see it as an investment. You know, when you're giving to the church, um, it's not just providing the needs of the church, although that is part of it. You're giving to the Lord. You're, you're investing in the kingdom. And if your heart is doing it for the right reason, it's all being stored up right there. And no one will ever be able to take it away. And so you're going to be blessed in that. And so, you know, I encourage you guys, ask the Lord who is poor, who needs help legitimately. Um, sometimes you listen to a Bible study, like we listen to Chuck Smith almost every day. You know, maybe you might want to give $20, you know, to that. Ask the Lord, and he'll show you, and you get to be a part of it. So number one is investment. Um, number two is employment. And we're going to see the work of God, how it cooperates with the work of man. He says in verse 3, If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or the north in the place where the tree falls, there it shall lie. That's a, like a philosophy thing, right? And verse 4 says, He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. Now, as I was going through the study, I had to read, I'll be honest with you, as we start traveling through Ecclesiastes, I tried to, had to read it like a hundred times. I'm like, okay, Lord, what is he talking about here, you know? And uh, what's this all about? The full clouds or the falling trees, the watching, this guy who's just watching the wind. You know, how does it affect sowing and reaping? And the New Living Translation in verse 4, it says it this way, Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. And so you got God who's giving rain. You got a tree falling down over here, or that direction, that direction. We can't control any of that. Those are things that God does. And so you got a guy over here, and he's just watching. Oh, I got to make sure just the wind blows just right, because otherwise, if I scatter the seed, it might go the wrong way. And so he's waiting forever, and then. You know, the clouds, it's not good to, to do the harvest while it's raining. And so he's just waiting there. He's not doing anything. And, and so what he's saying is, you know, we can't really control all the things that, that God does. God's going to do his thing. You gotta, we got to do our thing. We got to work is what he's saying. There has to be that aspect of employment. The Bible Knowledge Commentary, it says this. It says, switching to an example of sowing seed and reaping a harvest Solomon urged his readers not to sit around waiting for the most opportune moment to work, but to be diligent constantly. The future is as beyond one's control as the acts of God in nature, the falling rain, the uprooting tree by a gale. So waiting for just the right moment to plant, where, you know, where there is no wind to blow away the seed or to reap when there is no rain in the clouds to threaten the ripened harvest, 
would result in inactivity. And so, you know, we have to, to work. You know, as a couple of pictures here I think we have of these uh, working farmers and, you know, I tried to pick ones where, you know, we were seeing it's not easy, you know? Um, here, I li kind of like that one because it has the yoke. When we work, we're yoked with Jesus. I take my yoke upon you, upon you and learn from me, from gentle and lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so um, I know for me, uh, to be honest, there's a lot of things to do around the house, and sometimes I'm waiting for the weather to be just right. And then sometimes, you guys have noticed, I shouldn't even say this in California, but sometimes it's too cold, and then sometimes it's too hot, and then you never get anything done. And so that's what he's saying. Make sure you're not one of those who makes excuses. You know, as, as a Christian, we have to know what investment is all about. We have to know what employment is is all about, what working is all about. Look, look what he says in verse 5. As you do not know what is the way of the wind or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child, so you do not know the works of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed. In the evening do not withhold your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. And so one translation puts it this way, the New Living Translation, which I read a lot for this section. Plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon, for you don't know if profit will come from one activity or another or, or maybe both. And, and I think that what he's saying here is kind of cool. They all kind of merge together, um, investing wisely, working faithfully, doing our part, and then letting God do his it pays dividends as we do our duty and uh, work hard, you guys, and that's what we have to do. There are a lot of things that are mysteries to us, uh, the way the wind blows. I mean, some guys know how to predict the, the, the way the wind blows. I don't, and uh, I know God can shift it in any moment. We can't see it. We can see the effects of it. We can't see it. You can't see the way the bones are forming in the womb. We can't see it, but God sees it. So there's things that are out of our hands, you know, the, the things that only God knows. But for us, we have to do the things that he calls us to do. He uses the, in Hebrew, it's called, an, it's called a merism in Hebrew poetry, the morning and the evening. And what that in the Hebrew uh, vernacular means is and everything in between. And so there is that, that heart, you know, to work hard. You know, and it's kind of interesting the way he says you just keep planting. Uh, how many of you guys uh, plant things? I'm just curious. Do you ever plant plants or plant seeds? I have, um, I don't know what color my thumb is, but it's not a very good one. And so, you know, you plant a plant, you plant a plant, there's three of them, four of them, two live out of the four. That's kind of how it works, right, for me anyways. Or you plant seeds and some come up and some, you're like, what happened? You know, they die. And that's kind of what he's saying. You know, you're, you're just doing this, you're doing that. For us as Christians, we're knocking on doors, we're going through opportunities. Who knows, maybe one day God will just blow one open. And, and so we're just working. We're doing what we can. And then God does the rest. They say it this way. We do the possible. God does the impossible. And so there's the investment. There's, there's the employment. And then there's the enjoyment. Just in case you're thinking, oh, man, he's, you know, he's so hard. We've got to work so hard. Look what the Lord says in verse 7. 
He says, truly the light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to behold the sun. But if a man lives many years here and rejoices in them all, let him remember the days of darkness for they will be many and all that is coming is vanity. And so he'll get more and more into enjoying life. But here he, he begins it. And this is what he's going to say. Enjoy life. Enjoy your life. Know that there's going to be hard times. There's going to be difficult and dark days. But don't let that damper the way you enjoy your life. There are some people, I think, that what they do is they, 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 they are having a great life but they ruin it today because they're worried about some calamity that might happen tomorrow. There are some people like that. There are others who enjoy life and they think, well, it's always going to be perfect. They don't have the rationalization or realization that there's probably going to be tough days ahead because you got to know that. That way when they hit you, you don't get knocked out by them. And so that's all he's saying, you know, um, you know, life, life is good. You know, Sunday we, in the book of James, we talked about how it's like a flower. And I don't know about you, but I love flowers. They're beautiful. They're colorful. They smell good. Um, and there's, life is beautiful. Life is beautiful. But then we know eventually it wilts and fades and eventually suddenly it dies. And so on earth, there are light days and there are night days. There are good times. Um, and what we have to know is that both of them are things that we have to accept. But don't let the difficult days that are coming ruin the moment that you, you live in, right? The, the NLT puts it this way. When people live to be very old, let them rejoice in every day of life. But let them remember also there will be many dark days. And so we just kind of live in the reality, right? And so um, I'm glad to see some young people here today. How many of you are young? I'm just curious. Raise your hand. <laughs> Look what he says. He talks a lot to the young people today. Verse 9, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these, God will bring you into judgment. Therefore, remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your flesh, for childhood and youth are our vanity. And so we'll try to balance this whole thing out. Solomon's a trip, huh? You know, um, Mark Twain, he said this. This is funny. He says, the first half of life consists of the capacity to enjoy without the chance, and the last half consists of the chance without the capacity. I don't know if you understand that statement, but basically he's saying, you know, you start off life, you have the energy and the capacity to, to do all these crazy things, but you don't have the opportunity. Uh, but then when you get older, it gets reversed. And that's not true. That's not true. The Lord is saying, you young people, I want to tell you, Solomon is saying, as an old man, take it from an old fogey, you young people, enjoy your life. NLT says it this way, young people, it's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want to do. Take it all in. But remember that you must give an account to God for everything you do. And that's all. That's all he's saying. And later he's going to say, young people, don't forget your creator. So you go out and you have fun. 
you enjoy the good life, and I mean good in, 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 the, in the spiritual sense. That's what he's saying right here. But don't get carried away because you know that eventually the day will come when you have to stand before God. And we have a couple of pictures I thought these were kind of cool of young people. Um, Henry puts them together real nice, huh? And I like that guy just with his hands up because we're going to see that we're not talking just about enjoying like um, the beauty of creation without enjoying the creator. You know what I'm talking about? You know, you're enjoying the, the music, but there's this part of you like, wow, Lord, thank you for music. You know, thank you for I get to enjoy my time with my family. Lord, that's a gift from you. So we enjoy life, but we enjoy it with the understanding that God is the one who's given us these good things. James talks about that. You know, again, um, when we look at this, uh, you know, what he's saying right here is, is young, you know, enjoy yourself when you're young because eventually know that we're going to see later you're going to get older, you know, and so enjoy it while you can. When I was young, I used to wrestle. Now I rest. <laughs> when I was young, I would ride my bike all over town. I'm serious. Now the only bike I ride is stationary at the gym, and it's been a while. When I was young, do you guys remember it? When you were young, you used to stay up late. How many of you, when you were young, you would stay up all night? I'm just curious. I trip out. How do you guys do it? Now I fall asleep a lot earlier. <laughs> Ask my family. Now, so Solomon is basically saying, you young people, enjoy your youth, enjoy your metabolism. When I was young, I used to be able to eat and not gain weight, no problem whatsoever, meat, sausage, bacon, pancakes, chorizo con papas, pizza and cheeseburgers, all in one day, especially Tommy's, right? I used to love that. Now I pay if I eat those things, right? And so things are different. He's saying, you young people, enjoy your youth. You know, what he says there in verse 9, let's read it again. Um, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. Now, I, I want to be careful with this because, you know, he says kind of like follow your heart, but that's not the, really the, the thrust of what he's saying. The counsel of walking in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes has to do with being adventurous, not being, you know, reckless, not being fleshly. We know Jeremiah 17, 9, it says that our heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. So we don't follow the fallen flesh. But, you know, sometimes the Lord, like with Nehemiah, he put things in his heart, you know, and sometimes there's a good thing going on there. And so he's saying, you young people, be adventurous. I mean, it probably should apply to all of us, but especially when you're young, you can just get up and go on a missions trip like that. You know, there's so much that you can do when you're young. And so he's saying, you know, to, to be adventurous. Let the Lord lead you. It's a really awesome time of your life. And he qualifies his statement. Again, we're not talking about following your fallen nature. He qualifies his statement by saying, but remember that we will all give an account to God for everything we do. And we'll talk about that again later in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 14. And so with all that in our mind and our heart, we just run through the fields of forgiveness with a passion. That's what he's saying. You know, Solomon here is sharing some really cool things with us. 
Verse 10 is an interesting verse if you look at it again. Therefore, remove sorrow from your heart. And I think kind of what he's saying right there is, uh, is you know, sometimes there's, there's the depression or the discouragement or the anxiety. And he's saying, you know what, you know, get rid of that. Give that uh, to God and put away evil from your flesh uh, for childhood and youth are, are vanity. And I think what he's saying there is, again, you know, we don't follow after the flesh and we have to kind of come to the place of spiritual maturity. I've seen a lot of young people more mature than old people. You guys, have you seen that? Sometimes they're more spiritually mature than older people. So a lot of times it doesn't have to do with the fact that they're only 15 or 16 or 20, whatever, and you're, you're 40. Uh, you know, sometimes you see these youth and they have that, that maturity. And, and so... Um, Verse uh, uh, 1 of chapter 12, he's still talking to the young people, but this is really cool, the creative way he communicates. He says in verse 1, Remember now your creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are not darkened, and the clouds do not return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men bow down, when the grinders cease because they are few, and those that look through the windows grow dim, when the doors are shut in the streets and the sound of grinding is low, when one rises up at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of music are brought low. Now, when I read this the first time, I was like, man, what's he talking about, you know? And uh, the New Living Translation, to be honest, it helped me a lot with this because Solomon is, is speaking um, metaphorically. He's speaking with word pictures here that are really, really cool. It kind of sets us up nice when we eventually get into the Song of Solomon because he uses a lot of this as well. But again, looking at verse 1, he says, remember your creator. And that's so important for us. Don't ever forget the God who made you, the God who, who loves you, the God who maintains you, your Savior. Don't, don't forget him, right? Uh, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Now, when you get older, some of these things happen. Um, I'm already 27, and I, I'm not experiencing a lot of these things. No, I thank God because he's shown me a lot of grace. But, you know, sometimes I'll be talking to my wife and I'll be like, man, I'm already, what, how old am I, 54? Okay, yeah, and um, I am i don't know. You know, I have a few things that are messed up, you know, right here, and I think my ankle and a couple of things, you know. But relatively speaking, I'm blessed. But, but right here, look what he says uh, here. Again, if we look at it closely, he says in, in verse 2, to re, you know, we, we're supposed to remember our creator, right? Be before it's too late, before the day comes where we can't really enjoy life in, in a certain way. He says in verse 2, while the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are not darkened. And what he's saying right there is while you can still see. Because sometimes when people get older, they can't see very well. Now, I don't know if that's happened to you, but remember back then, glasses, we are so blessed with glasses, contacts. So, you know, now you can see things. 
Don't just sit at home playing your video games. Get outside and watch the sunset. Get out and see the beauty. Go down even to a museum. I'll tell you what, the art is amazing. So anyways, it's before my eyes go bad. And notice again, he says in verse 2, and the clouds do not return after the rain. And what he's saying right there is sometimes our mind gets cloudy. Our mind gets foggy. And so the clouds are supposed to come before the rain, and now they're coming back. And so what he's saying is enjoy your, your life while you're young because you can still see so well. You can still think so vividly, so clearly, right? In verse 3, it says, In the day when the keepers of the house tremble, that's later on in life, that's your, knee, your legs shaking. You know, your, your legs are shaking now. Your legs are like this. They say uh, in, in, in physical sports, the legs are the first things to go. And so um, this is why your legs are still strong. And it says in verse 3, And the strong men bow down. This is probably in reference to our shoulders when they start slouching. When the grinders cease because they are few. Do you guys know what he's talking about? The teeth. You start losing teeth. Imagine that, how horrible that is. See, nowadays we can get implants. Nowadays we can probably get false teeth, but back then they didn't have it. And still, it's not the same. It's not the same. And, uh, and then he talks about, um, mentions the, the eyes again, uh, and those that look through the windows grow dim. When the doors are shut, shut in the streets is in reference to how when you get older you lose, more, you lose opportunities sometimes, you know? Um, and doors start shutting, and the sound of grinding is low when one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of music are brought low. Now, that right there is probably in reference to the time when you can't hear as good, you know, and maybe even your sleeping pattern is off. Now, some of us here, by the grace of God, I, I don't want to back on older people, okay? I don't want to do that. Some of you here, by the grace of God, you still have a lot of this. And so it is even to you. Enjoy it. Enjoy it with the understanding that it's all from God. But especially you young people. That's what he's saying right here. Enjoy it while you can. You know, what we see right here is as Christians, understanding the gifts that God's given to us, you know, we, we are to just take it all in. Because sometimes you get weird Christians, man. They think that you can't enjoy life, that you can't have fun, that you can't laugh, that you can't play jokes on, on other people. And, you know, um, I, I think that sometimes we just, we just miss out on so much. There's a reason God gave us taste buds. There's a reason that God um, allows us to smile. We have tickle spots. And there's a reason... Uh, for the beautiful music and all these things. And so there's a saying uh, that's out there. It says that God is most glorified when we're most satisfied in him. And so take it all in, you guys. Take it all in. You know, when you get older, there's more to it. Look at verse 5. Also, they are afraid of height and of terrors in the way. And what that basically means is they're afraid of falling down. When you get old, so, and I, I'm not trying to make jokes of anything, but that's probably the number one fear of older people, really older people, because if they fall, they can break a hip or, you know, things can happen, right? And if terror's in the way, when the almond tree blossoms, that's us getting gray hair, 
The grasshopper is a burden, and that's an interesting one. What do you mean the grasshopper? When I get old, the grasshopper is going to be a burden? And um, some people believe that what he's saying right there is, um, I don't know if you guys ever experienced this in your house, but who's the official bug killer in your house dealing with bugs? So in my house, there's a spider, dad, <laughs> dad, or even a cricket, you know? They're afraid of moths. I mean, just different things. And so you have to open up the window or you have to let the cricket out or something. And so, I don't know, dealing with a grasshopper is, is a burden, and desire falls, and the desire could be in reference to that desire, if you know what I'm talking about. So he's just saying, enjoy life while you can. Uh, for man goes to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Because we're getting closer huh, to that day that God calls us home. And so, um, verse 6, remember your creator before the silver cord is loosed or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher shattered at the fountain or the will uh, broken at the well then the dust will return to the earth as it was and the spirit will return to god who gave it and so you start when you're young and then just your whole life my prayer you guys is that one day we'll be home in heaven and we'll be talking and we'll be having our reunion or whatever and we'll be high-fiving each other, and we'll be like, you know what? Life was good. We had a really good life as, as Christians. We enjoyed it. We had our hard times. But man, when we had those good times together, we, we just soaked it all in as a gift from God. You know, the, the silver cord right here, and it would be a silver cord, and then there would be a gold bowl right here, and there would be oil inside, and they would light it. That would be the lamp. That's for the lamp for the rich people. And so that's, uh, he says, before that's broken, because the light was symbolic of life. And then you had the jar of clays, and you had the, the vessels that you would scoop up the water with before those vessels are broken, because the water was symbolic of life. And so he's just saying, enjoy God, remember God, you know, before you die. That's all he's saying. And when you die, in verse 7, he says, then the dust will return to the earth as it was, right? And the spirit will return to God who gave it. And so one day, um, we know our bodies will decay. God will transform them at the rapture, but in the meantime, boom, immediately our spirit goes up to be with God. And so verse 8, vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. And whenever he talks about death, you know, Solomon is not as clear to him as it was for us, as it is for us. And so um, you guys have seen this song as we've gone through Ecclesiastes. We're just about to finish it. And let me just give you a couple of verses that um, I, I know you guys know, but I pray that you would really take to heart. Because your life as a Christian, seeking God, serving God, knowing God, is never, ever vanity. It is not in vain. Solomon didn't know everything that we knew, and Solomon right here was having a struggle in his life. But for us, I want you guys to know, because sometimes you feel that way. You're like, man, I'm doing this every single day, and you're at the grind. And sometimes, you know, maybe you think it's, it's in vain. And God just said, no, it's not. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, we know that one really well. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And so we're busy, we're working, we're not going to let the devil push us out. We're going to stay busy because we know it's not in vain. It's never in vain. We may not see 
the results that we want. But if you're serving God, it's never in vain. And then I like earlier in that same chapter in verse 10 of 1 Corinthians 15, Paul said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ has quickened you, has given you grace, has given you forgiveness. And you guys should know this, that his grace towards you is not in vain. So you read, you know, Vanity of Vanities by Solomon. Don't let that influence you. Understand that. You are just this beautiful masterpiece, and there is nothing about your life that is vanity. So we've seen the investment, we've seen the employment, we've seen the enjoyment, and then the concluding statement we see in verse 9. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yes, he pondered and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find acceptable words, and what was written was upright words of truth, the words of the wise are like goads, and the words of scholars are like well-driven nails given by one shepherd. And further, my son, be admonished by these of making many books. There is no end, and much study is wearisome to the flesh. Well, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Here it is. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. And so it's kind of cool. In closing, Solomon basically says, I worked really hard to teach. Um, because the preacher was wise, he said in verse 9, he still taught the people knowledge. And so I hope and pray that you guys know that you're all teachers, um, especially those who have been called to teach and have the gift of teaching. Solomon was obviously a special case as well. The Bible says in 1 Kings 4.32 that he spoke 3,000 proverbs. And we read that here in verse 9, that he pondered and sought out and set in order many proverbs, right? And, and then in that, as he's teaching, it says in verse 10 that the preacher sought to find acceptable words. Uh, what, what are acceptable words? Well, he says right there, words that are upright, words that are true. Now, I think there is an aspect of where you're a wordsmith and you try to use the right word. I think there is that, working hard at it, right? Um, but more important than that is that we speak the truth in love. And so um, the wise preacher is not just the one who says a study that's eloquent or tickles ears to tell us what we want to hear, to go to the study and make me feel good. No, the wise preacher knows that many times the truth will hurt. And he mentions that there in verse 11, that the words of the wise are like goads and the words of the scholars are like well-driven nails given by one shepherd. And so when we really are confronted with the word of God, and I, and I could challenge you guys, you know, in so many ways, how's your prayer life? And everybody gets all convicted. 
you know, or someone does, hopefully you do, we should be on our knees, we should be fasting, we should be seeking God, we should be getting rid of sin, and all the lies of the world should just, man, they should be swallowed up with our passion for Jesus. I mean, I, there's a lot, I think, to be convicted of, especially those of us here in this area of the world. We are challenged, right? And so what he's saying is that when you're telling the truth, People are going to get convicted. There's going to be goads. There's like these nails that are driven. And that's okay. That's okay. I hope you guys know that it's okay to get convicted. I hope you like to get corrected. I hope you enjoy to be rebuked. If it needs to happen, praise God for that. You know, it's interesting. I was going through Psalm 119 recently as we're reading through the Bible. And over and over again, it talks about being afflicted, being afflicted, being afflicted. Now, that might be in reference to the enemy coming against us and the trials that we experience, but it's interesting in the context of the Bible, how it talks about being afflicted. I think there is an aspect of where when you're really taking it in, you're listening to studies, guys that are telling the truth, that sometimes you get convicted, you get afflicted, but it's a good thing. Because then we know that God is working on us. And if we'll respond correctly, then we'll grow. Now, one last thing before we leave that section. It's interesting to me, because you might get mad at me for saying something, but ultimately, who you have an issue with? Jesus. Because it says right here, and it says very clearly, the words of the wise are like, like goads, and the words of scars are like well-driven nails, given by one shepherd. Who is that one shepherd? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 23, 10, and do not be called teachers. He's talking to these men. Don't be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. And so Jesus is the one who teaches us the Bible. Verse 12, he's talking about, you know, hey, and now Solomon's talking to his son, and he's saying, you know what? A lot of studying, a lot of reading, a lot of research. You're going to find a lot of different opinions. It's okay to learn. It's okay to share. But, man, let's make sure we do our best not to overcomplicate it. The concluding statement is fear God, keep his commandments, because know this is our all, and God will judge all about all one day. And so when I think of fearing God, you guys, um, to me, um, it's a reverence for who he is, how awesome he is. Uh, there is an aspect of me fearing God that if I were to you know, willfully sin, that he's going to discipline me. I feel especially accountable as a pastor, knowing that people even pray for me. So I have this crazy fear of God, even his discipline, you know, for that's the, that's the church will get disciplined. But if you don't know the Lord, then, you know, you're going to get punished. You're going to get condemned. And so that's why the fear of God is so important. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. And, and yet, at the same time, when you're talking about keeping his commandments, which is what he says, the only way we could really keep his commandments is if we love him. Loving God, fearing God. I told you guys this before. It changes me from the outside. But the love of God, it changes me from the inside. And that's where we got to be. 
know, because one day, and, 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 you know, I don't know, it's not necessarily a threat per se. <gasps> you know, man, you, one day you're going to stand before God, you know, not like that. I mean, maybe if I, if I deserved it, I guess if I'm living in die-cast rebellion, but, but here I am, I'm trying, I'm serving the Lord, I'm, I'm just not a perfect person, but man, I'm trying, you know, to hit that mark every day, all day long. What a wonderful day that'll be when you stand before Jesus. Imagine that. You guys are believers perfect in his sight, you're forgiven, you're free. And so this book right here, really cool book, hopefully, you know, we grow in wisdom in the study.